This is AgriPulse Open Mic. I'm your host, Jeff Nally. Our guest this week is Jen Sorensen, President-Elect of the National Pork Producers Council. AgriPulse Open Mic is brought to you by NCIS, the National Crop Insurance Services. Crop insurance, the smartest, most efficient way to secure America's food, fiber, and fuel supply. AgriPulse Open Mic continues with NPPC's Jen Sorensen, next. Today's Open Mic segment is brought to you by America's Crop Insurance Industry, which is thankful for the continued support of farmers, commodity organizations, rural businesses, lenders, and lawmakers who are fighting to maintain a strong farm safety net. Providing individualized protection on more than 300 million acres of farmland, crop insurance remains the smartest, most efficient way to secure America's food, fiber, and fuel supply. This is AgriPulse Open Bike. The nation's swine producers suffered through a long cycle of low returns and challenged markets before the COVID crisis hit in North America this year. National Pork Producers Council President-elect Jen Sorensen says COVID dashed hopes of a return to profitability. We were anticipating a profitable year this year. U.S. hog farmers had been on the tip of the retaliatory trade situation and the last couple of years have not been profitable for hog farmers. And this year, going into what we thought would be a profitable year for us with a $10 per head profit really turned on us in early spring when COVID hit. You know, we lost our food service market very quickly. The entire country was in turmoil and Even worse, we began losing our packing plant capacity. And if you look at what happened in March and April in terms of packing plants shutting to focus on employee and worker health and safety and their response to that, hog farmers really took a hit. Not only did our market crash and we lost a tremendous amount of equity, but we also had a lot of hogs backed up. And so we we had operational challenges as well that we had to deal with. So it it has been an unprecedented year for us. I've seen the sincere and the heartfelt nature and dedication of hog farmers across the country who are swirling in red ink and, again, struggling to find opportunity to market their animals and doing everything that they can do to prevent the euthanization of those animals to find a way that they can benefit those who need it. Yeah, I mean, you, you hit the nail on the head. It was It was extremely challenging to be so out of control of what was happening. The packing plants are the linchpin in the entire food chain. And to have to face the decisions that some producers had to do with euthanasia was, again, extremely difficult. Now, I will say some of the risk mitigation strategies that producers put into place to weather that particular time period, like changing the nutrition and the diets and the feed formulation to slow down the growth of the animals, donating hogs. I mean, we would have donated animals anywhere. You know, we filled up lockers. We gave hogs away. We tried to find homes for them. 
you know, we were exploring every avenue we could so we didn't have to euthanize those animals. Looking back, a lot of the the innovation and the nutrition strategies and the stocking strategies that we used worked really well for us and we and we had to we were able to avoid euthanizing quite a large volume of animals that we thought we would have to. Uh, I think the other thing that really saved us was when the administration announced the Defense Production Act. Um, I know a lot of people, a lot of organizations, a lot of members of Congress. I know our governor, Kim Reynolds, worked very hard on that. Um, and that really saved hog farmers, uh, made keeping packing plants open a, ma- a matter of national security. And we are really just grateful to the administration and everyone who helped get that through for us. I'd like to continue on this subject, but I also hope that you can help us here. As I understand from the first round of CFAP and even into the second round that is now, Secretary Purdue suggesting that he doesn't feel as if he has the authority to use those congressional funds to help hog farmers who were forced to euthanize or donate animals. What's the state of that now? I know recently you had your virtual event, a legislative update in Washington. What were you able to share and what have you learned? Yeah, that was a major message that we focused on with the recent LAC. When we were talking with members of Congress, you know, we're very grateful for, you know, the first and now second tranche of direct payments to producers, but you know, what's really challenging about that program is the majority of, of hog farmers are not eligible to receive funding due to the payment limitations, the AGI caps, things of that nature. And so it really leaves your medium to large size producers in the lurch without any support or direct payments to, to be eligible for. And so, you know, we've spent a lot of time trying to convince, you know, the USDA and ask for for help in, in reviewing that charter and seeing if we could get those direct payment limitations lifted. But that said, you know, those payments have been able to help quite a few farmers. We're grateful for that. We're also grateful for the USDA commodity purchase. And those things help. Those things definitely help. I think the other thing, too, is, you know, in our ask, you know, we would like to see some reimbursement for the hogs that we had to euthanize and we had to, uh, we were able to donate. The hogs that we had to euthanize, not only did we not have any value in them, but then we had to also invest money to euthanize them, dispose of them, render them. And so we picked up additional costs there. And so, yeah, U.S. hog farmers are definitely in an unprecedented and perilous time right now, and, and we need help. Jen, as you represent now hog farmers across the country, uh, I've got to ask, how difficult is the situation now, and are we at risk of losing operations that have been generations in the making? We are absolutely at risk. This has been an unbelievably difficult time for farmers, especially pork producers. We have lost profitability two years in a row thanks to retaliatory tariffs. And with the situation that we faced earlier this year, it has just put us in absolute peril. Um, We know of many hog farmers who have already closed up shop. 
um, and had to close down uh, South Farms and finishers uh, because of a lack of profitability. And we don't want to lose any more farmers. And we're already such a small percentage of this population. We need more people engaged in agriculture and more people engaged in food production, not fewer. Uh, we really need uh, the help right now from the government. We need those direct payments. We need those support programs to weather us through the storm. Thinking about the labor force and thinking about the packing plants, as you mentioned before, hog farmers were caught when the the employees weren't able to be on the lines at the packing plants and and the chains, uh, in essence, came to a stop for a period of time. What have we learned and what do you think happens in the future with regard to worker protection and the significance of keeping those uh, packing plants running? I mean, I think our the health and safety of our people, no matter if that's on a farm or in a packing plant, is the top priority. And we as hog farmers felt that because, you know, we lost that capacity. We lost that line speed and packing plants closed because their priority became taking care of their people, which is which is good. And that's right. But we also had... Uh, animal care concerns and hogs backing up, you know. So on a go forward, I I think we learned a lot. I think we learned a lot about uh, worker safety. I think we learned a lot about preparing our uh, workplaces and manufacturing facilities for a pandemic like this. I think we also learned a lot about communication and relationships with local leaders. I think we learned a lot about managing the message in the media. We definitely will be prepared and have been, you know, talking about potentially what does the impact of higher rates of COVID mean for this fall, mean for packing plants this fall, and mean mean for hog farmers this fall. Luckily, on the production and operation side, we've, we've learned a lot and now I've experienced um, different mitigation strategies through nutrition and stocking and just getting creative and innovative in terms of how we hang on to our pigs longer, um, in order to weather that storm. And, you know, all of us need to remember what we went through and make sure that we've learned and we've gotten stronger. I know that there's also been a lot of conversations around, you know, changes to the food chain itself in terms of, you know, do we need smaller packing plants? Do we need more regional packing plants? The size of our operations, I mean, everything's been discussed and on the table. And I think, you know, now is a good time to come together and and start talking about solutions for the food chain so we don't run into this again. Now, I will say Our food chain did a tremendous job of keeping food in stores. I know at times there might have been gaps or holes in a specific product, but at no time was there a food shortage. And I think that was the fear back in March and April was, oh, oh dear, there's going to be a food shortage. And there never was. There was always food available snaps to the food chain for really rallying and being able to make quick changes to be able to make sure that that food supply was there. 
African swine fever literally devastated the Chinese hog herd. And a reminder just a few days ago that African swine fever was found at a wild boar in Germany, reminding us that this particular saga is not over. Are you concerned that the border protection standards and the work of the government is in place in the U.S. to keep hog farmers like yourself and our herd safe from this disease? I would say terrified is the word. Absolutely. You know, one out of every four hogs on this planet has died due to African swine fever. And we absolutely cannot let our guard down when it comes to foreign animal disease. You know, that was really eye-opening what happened in Germany. You know, they immediately, almost immediately lost their major export markets. And so we look at U.S. operations and we say, are we doing everything we can to prevent African swine fever and any foreign animal disease? I mean, the threat of foot and mouth or classical isn't, isn't any less just because we have African swine fever on the forefront. You know, are we doing everything we can to ensure that we're preventing that disease from coming into the United States? And, you know, another impact of COVID is that less people are traveling, less people are flying, which means there's less user fees that are funding um, the AQI program, that Ag Quarantine Inspection Program, which then in turn funds Customs and Border Protection. And so, you know, those folks are on the front lines of protecting all of agriculture at our ports. They're targeting, they're detecting, they're intercepting, they're trying to prevent the entry of any potential threats that could do harm to us, all of agriculture. And and I think there's a speculated funding shortfall by the end of 2020 because of the lack of those travel fees. Um, So a big ask of ours uh, into Congress is to make sure that that funding, you know, if not in the continuing resolution, that it's appropriated and fully funding, fully funding the Customs and Border Patrol. Let's talk about markets if we can. Obviously, the domestic market is important to U.S. producers, but the global market as well. How much do we have at stake in these talks between the U.S. and the United Kingdom uh, and their Brexit exit? You know, we're pretty excited about an opportunity with the U.K. The administration has announced an attempt to negotiate an FTA with the United Kingdom. You know, that's a $66 million population, and they have culinary tastes similar to U.S., so they love they love pork just as much as we do. You know, we see it as a pretty big opportunity. We support a stronger trade relationship with the U.K., but the other thing is that we have tariffs and trade barriers up against us in many countries around the world, and the U.K. is one of them. We're wide open to a free trade agreement if they are willing to eliminate all tariff and non-tariff barriers, uh, that means embracing codex and other international production standards. Uh, we believe, you know, in the U.S. that we raise high-quality, safe, affordable pork efficiently and at a really good price. And uh, we have a lot of opportunity in the U.K., but with, with countries 
all over if we could just bust through some of those tariffs, tariffs and non-tariff barriers. You'll assume the reins of the National Pork Producers Council in March, and that's still some time away, but it's still a date on the calendar. What do you anticipate that, that NPPC and pork producers will still be facing as you turn into a new year? A couple things. I think, you know, we have our eyes on what the election is is going to do and, and the turnout um, from a political standpoint. You know, we are always fighting for reasonable regulation here domestically, and trade will always be a number one priority for NPPC. You know, we have our eyes on, you know, the Philippines, South Africa, Thailand, Vietnam. We talked about the EU and, you know, their octopamine and Trichina medication and all the different barriers they have there. Um, we have an opportunity with India, a small market, but a, another good opportunity with Jamaica. And, you know, China is also a critically important market for us, but we're still faced with a 33% retaliatory tariff on U.S. pork there. So talk about the biggest opportunity, sales opportunity missed for U.S. pork producers is China. And so we, we just have a lot of work to do on trade and a, and a lot of these barriers and that we have to we have to get through so a lot of activity for NPPC domestically and also internationally but but we're going to push hard we're going to keep going one issue that i think has been on the slate of a number of leaders of the national pork producers council for a long time has been labor and that having an adequate uh, labor force here in the u.s it's an issue that we've not been able to resolve and one that I believe that you probably will have as a priority as we turn into 21. You're absolutely right. You know, farming exists in rural communities, and one thing rural communities and our rural landscapes are are not known for is their is their population centers. And so we've had labor challenges in agriculture for years now. Um, in the in the packing and food sector as well is also um, definitely challenged. We have plants that are unable to staff a second shift. Um, so going back to that conversation that we had about packing capacity, um, a lot of that was was brought on by you know a lack of labor, and, and we and we could have mitigated that better if some of those plants had had second shifts. Um, you know, we've worked hard to advocate for immigration reform, uh, visa programs, H-2A programs that are broadened to um, livestock farmers. You know, a lot of those programs are set up to provide seasonal labor, like maybe a vegetable harvest or a fruit harvest. Um, but livestock care is every day. It doesn't come in waves around spring planting or fall harvest. It is every single day. And we don't have a visa program or an H-2A program that helps us solve that. I think, I think we can have an honest conversation and say, you know, there's not, we're not putting good U.S. workers out of work. There's just not enough people. 
Uh, so we definitely need to get this in the forefront of our administration and try and find solutions for agriculture because food is, you know, food is a matter of national security, right? We've got to have food produced and we have to have the labor to do it. Knowing that you are a lifelong farmer, a wife, and also a mother, from that perspective, I ask this. What effort do hog farmers put into sustainability and into the safety of the animal and the product that they offer for consumers domestically and globally today? I would say that is our number one focus always. I Farmers are always committed to getting better. I think our sustainability story could hold a candle to anyone's, right? When you look at the accomplishments we've made to reduce land use, reduce carbon emissions, conserve water, um, regenerate and restore our soil, and, you know, just simply produce more with less. It is just a phenomenal story that we have here. And, you know, oftentimes one that we struggle to get out, but we're, we're definitely making huge strides in, in getting better every day. Um, farmers care tremendously about what they do, about their animals, about their people, um, about their communities, about their environment, and we get better every day. Great. Jen Sorensen, we want to thank you very much for taking time at a busy harvest season and work there at the farm to spend time with us here on this edition of Open Mic. It is Open Mic, and you have the last word today. Well, I would just say that, you know, the U.S. pork industry is part of the backbone of the rural economy. We provide more than half a million jobs. We create almost $25,000 in, in personal income. We're proud to do that. We're proud to be pork producers and provide a safe, wholesome, quality product that, you know, is number one on the globe and also well-loved here in the U.S. as well. So uh, I just appreciate being able to be part of this really great discussion today. Our thanks to Jen Sorensen, President-elect of the National Pork Producers Council. Our guest this week on Open Mic. AgriPulse Open Mic is brought to you by NCIS, the National Crop Insurance Services. Crop insurance, the smartest, most efficient way to secure America's food, fiber, and fuel supply. For AgriPulse, I'm Jeff Daly. 